Welcome to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. We're a church in Gahanna, Ohio that exists to help people find and follow God. We hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and helps you discover how much God really loves you. All righty. Well, good morning, Three Creeks Church. Um, first, I just want to say I am so proud of all of you, everyone who is able to give to the well, or even those that prayerfully considered and just aren't in a financial place where they could do that. I feel a great sense of unity behind this, and I am so excited about it. Um, my name is Tyler. I get to be one of the elders here. I also get to help uh, be a care and counseling director with my wife, Julie. Um, I'm a dad. That's my, like, my full-time job. That's what I think mostly about. And what I'm paid to do uh, is just do research at Nationwide Children's Hospital, which is really fun, but maybe not what I'm best at. Um, so it's a joy for me to be here with you this morning. Like I said, I feel really united as a church today, like maybe more than ever. We've just had this well campaign. Uh, we're celebrating our upcoming Gehanna gift shop that our church loves to rally around. Joanna's here. We're, we're happy to get to be one of the churches that kind of sends her into the field. So I thought it'd be great if I just took all of that momentum and just crashed it down on the ground and talked about disagreement for the morning. So we're just going to go in. You know, I knew that like this was going to come after the well and that we probably had momentum. And I said, you know what? I think we should talk about disagreement. No, but really the way that, the way that we got to this topic, uh, this is a standalone week, really. We just came out of the well series. And I'm afraid that if we started our Christmas series before Thanksgiving, like half of you would leave. And it just, some of you have started decorating and that's good for you. My wife and I don't have strong opinions on this matter, so we're like a safe space if you and your spouse need to talk it out. Um, some of you have more than one Christmas tree, and I don't know how to help you. Um, you have like Christmas rooms, and that's, that's your thing. So I don't know where I was going with that. So this is a standalone message is what I'm trying to say. Joel just said, what's something that God has been teaching you lately that you would love to share with our church? And for the last two and a half years, uh, really not coincidentally at all, I've learned that I am terrible at disagreeing well and at reflecting Christ in the middle of disagreement. And I don't think I'm alone in that. Um, during COVID, I, it was a mess, you guys. Like the big C church, local churches, we were not getting along well. We had some folks that felt we were lacking faith or forgetting to love our neighbors by not meeting together. The other half of the church said, we're not loving our neighbors, if we meet, if we meet, and we contribute to this thing, and we were a divided church. And for myself, I went to school for public health, and my head was like this big during all of that. Because I'm like, I, I just told all these people, like, I'd explain what public health was when I was in school for this. And so if I was in any of the, these disagreements, it was the ugliest side of me, maybe not externally, but in my heart and in my head, conversations with my wife, I was so prideful and just really ugly. And at some point, so it was specific to COVID, but man, you could slap any disagreement on there that this might've come out. But the Lord just placed on my heart, like, dude, you need to walk in on a Sunday and love every person in that room, whether they're wearing a mask or not wearing a mask, or whether they voted for Trump or Biden or some third party because some folks, like they feel strongly that that's an option. Um, I felt so deeply convicted at how I had missed the mark, and I'm so excited to be on the other side of that now, to be able to walk in here and say, 
I don't care what you believe. Not in a negative sense, but to say, I love you and I want to know you and I want to serve you as your elder and someone who gets to help lead this church. I care so much more about that than I do your opinions about X, Y, or Z. And so that's really what we get to unpack today. There's, there's biblical grounding for this. Um, thankfully, I don't think I'm alone in my inability to reflect Christ um, within the midst of disagreement. As a society, we have completely forgotten how to disagree. I'm going to start my timer or else you will miss your lunch plans. Um, as a society, we have completely forgotten how to disagree. Where we're at now, I'm sorry if anyone like, needed to take blood pressure medication before you came in today. Um, where we're at now as a society is you either pick, I think you have one of three options that I see most commonly. Um, you either choose to go far right and you hate the left. That's option one. Option two, you go far left and you hate the right. And if you don't hate the right, then you're not really with us, right? Like that's kind of how our politics are right now. If you can't vocally talk about how foolish these other people are, you're not really with us, right? There's no room in the middle. And the third option, which I chose, I'm 31 now, so I chose it for about 30 years, I think, is just apathy. Like, I don't, I don't know that they make good points, so I'm just gonna kind of stay out of it and I'll go vote and try to like Google things before I show up at the polls. Um, there's another way that we can handle these disagreements, but to just kind of cue up, you probably see where I'm heading with this, um, but just to, to maybe share that it's not just me, let's see, check your pulse now, check your blood pressure, and we'll see how you handle these different topics. Um, some of the things that we might, we just might disagree on, um, this week actually, uh, former President Donald Trump announced that he'll be back for 2024. Uh, some of you are very excited about that. You're holding back your applause. Maybe I told some of you that for the first time and you don't know how to feel, right? Like that is a polarizing issue. Um, maybe I overshot. Maybe that was too aggressive. Speaking of shots, how do we feel about vaccines? Some of us are on like our 10th round. I've got like a vaccine punch card. I'm like hoping to get something free. If Fauci, actually Fauci's stepping down, but if Fauci, I think he's going to like send me a gift box or something with, if I get a few more vaccines. Some of you, that's not for you because there's like mercury or something in it, something that'll catch up. I like glow in the dark now, but someone told me that I should do it. So I'm like, yeah, that's, that sounds good. I, my body's probably not as healthy as it should be. So that sounds good. Um, yeah, we'll skip the, we'll skip the more contentious issues. Some of the more fun questions that we like to argue about, should I lie to my kids about Santa? If your kids are here, I'm sorry, listen. <laughs> my wife and I, we're not good on our feet. And so when our kids ask us questions, they're like, what's this called? I'm like, that's A. And I'm like, just here's the name of the body part because we didn't talk about it. Um, is, is Santa real? I'm like, I don't feel like I can keep this up for another eight years. Like, here's this, honey. And then she's like, fine with it. But do we lie about that? Uh, we talked about Christmas decorations. Um, can I let my kids laugh at toots? Like my two-year-old boy, well, when he was two, he laughs. I didn't tell him that it's funny. It's universally funny. But we like treat our kids like they have to become like Princess Diana someday. And it's like, my kids, they're going to be fine. Like, they're going to be all right. Uh, does money spent at Chick-fil-A count toward your tithe? Um, I, I loved that joke. I'm just going to leave on that one. Um, just read some scripture or something after. Uh, should we do CrossFit? Uh, orange Theory. We got some Orange Theory, orange theory gals in the house. Uh, powerlifting, Peloton, or just shut up. Just you do you, let me do me. I was in that camp for a long time. I, I watched my wife run once in college, like outside. She was doing a college, like a campus 5K, and I like watched it from my dorm room. So I, I didn't even get dressed. 
should Americans care more about soccer? Like it's the world sport. I'm sure it's great, but also grown men pretend to be hurt and you guys are fine with that. Like it's a normal part of the sport. I said grown men because I bet you the women don't do that. Like they probably just play the game. Um, should we spank our kids? That's a little bit more serious. I don't have a good joke about spanking children. Um, does every family in the United States of America really need a dog? Our family does not have a dog. And some of you think that we hate animals because of it. I'm like, we don't have a golden retriever. They're like, so you, so you don't like people? I'm like, no, dogs aren't people. Dogs aren't people, are they? I adopted this dog. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. We need different language for that. I'm uncomfortable. Um, should kids get participation trophies? My son is so gentle and he's sensitive like me. And if anything goes wrong in a sport, he cries. And I'm like, you can't get a participation trophy your whole life. You will not be set up well for failures. Um, do I send my kids to a private Christian school where, see, in all seriousness, they'll hear the gospel probably every day. It feels like a safe space, especially with some of the conversations that go on in public schools. Or do you send them to public school and let them get some street smarts? Like, that's what we're doing. And our kids are going to know how to function in society. I'm excited for them. Android versus iPhone. If you care at all about this, you're an iPhone user. You guys are so... <laughs> You guys are so against my family and our green checks that I'm going to like start a political campaign and that's what it's about. Just get off our backs. We're cheap. Let us have androids. Um, this one's very personal. Can we wear Crocs in public? Please vote. Um, if you agree with me that it's fine because I'm 31 and I don't care anymore, uh, please let my wife know because it is a point of contention in our family. Um, that's it. I think we're going to get just right into it now. Um, but we're talking about how can Christians disagree well, and we can joke as, as people how to disagree. There's a lot of different topics. Some are very personal. Um, I think there's kind of two classes of arguments that we can think of as Christians disagreeing. We can disagree on topics within the church, so how do we live out our faith, as well as topics outside the church, or how does the church interface with the world. Um, today, we're going to be in Romans 14, and this is really a conversation around how these believers in Rome lived out their faith within the church. So we're going to talk a lot today about how, as Christians, as Three Creeks Church specifically, how can we disagree and remain one unified body, acknowledging that we're going to disagree about things. A major piece of that, of being able to disagree well as a local church, is our, our church leadership, um, our, maybe even our family of churches, believes in what we call majors and minors. And so there are major issues of scripture, that there is one true God, that that God is three in one, that there's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that Jesus himself was truly God. He truly was the Messiah and who he says he is that there is scriptural authority because it is breathed out by God, right? There are major theological considerations that we need to be unified on to have productive conversation um, and to have productive teaching and, and to be unified to that degree. Those issues should be quite clear within scripture and they should have been believed by, you know, the early church all the way through, right? Now, obviously, there are a ton of denominations, there are a ton of different ways to slice and dice the Christian faith. And so where, where we kind of land on a lot of those issues is considering the minors. So 
We have the major issues of who God is, who Jesus is, of salvation that, you know, if you believe in Jesus, you're saved, but grace by faith alone. But these minor issues are more about how we live out that faith or these, these smaller issues that scripturally get kind of less time within scripture or it's harder to decipher and two well-meaning, God-fearing, Jesus-loving Christians can disagree on. And so when Paul is writing to the church in Rome, uh, we'll go through Romans 14 here if you want to open your Bibles to that or turn on your phones. I'll be teaching from an iPad, so like this is a safe space if you're pulling out your phone uh, for that. But we're, we're reading this letter from Paul to the Romans where he's talking about one of these minor issues of food laws. So for the church in Rome, you had kind of two major groups coming together in the early church, right? So you had the Jews, um, that may sound surprising to you if you're new to the faith. Jesus himself was Jewish. And so you have this set of new Christians, because Christianity itself is new. Half of them or so may have been Jewish. And then we also have the Gentiles, where this, this faith of Judaism through Jesus is now kind of the doors are open, right? The doors are open to those who are not ethnically Jewish. You can imagine how complicated that is to try to become a unified body. And that's really what the letter of the church, uh, or the letter of Romans is all about, is how to, given that you're unified on the gospel, how do you live out your faith given that we have these two major parties? We're going to talk a lot about food laws. Um, if you think that Christians do not still disagree about what we can and can't eat today, I suggest that you've never cooked for a community group. Um, I love my vegetarian brothers and sisters, but like we're trying, guys. We're trying. We just leave the chicken out on the side. Um, my friend in the front here, who will remain nameless, has made us vegan enchiladas before. And homegirl brought them. They were really good, but she had to apologize for the cheese because it wasn't cheese. You know, it like didn't melt. Um, so we still might have food law discussions, but generally we're talking about these minor issues within the faith and how we can agree to disagree, really. So with that, let's go to Romans 14. I'll pray, and then we'll, we'll get into it further. Father, um, I thank you so much for bringing my brothers and sisters together today. Um, I pray for great unity within our church, Lord, that we can love one another so much that we can look past disagreement, that we can uh, remain in our convictions, um, but also look past them, Lord. Thank you so, so much for this church and for the opportunity to be here with them today. Your son's name, we pray. Amen. Romans 14, verse 1. We're doing Romans 14. You heard like, oh, what, what verses are we in? It's the whole thing. So buckle up, friends. Go grab a water. Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. Paul is going to talk a lot about those with strong faith. Those with strong faith are those that believe because of Jesus, everything that they eat is clean. Those with weak faith are those that are going to continue to follow like Jewish kosher food laws. So weak faith just means they're going to, they're going to follow these food laws. The one who eats anything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their master, servants stand for all, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. Paul does not pull punches in his letters, and rather than saying, those who are strong in faith, make sure that you convict those who are weak in their faith until they understand what we all get, right? 
he jumps past the issue and says, who are you to judge God's servant? Who are you to judge someone that Jesus died for? Who are you to judge? How are you treating your brother with contempt? I don't think I'm the only person in this church that has treated a brother or sister with contempt, that they're not even worth going into this argument with because they don't get it. Paul is calling this out, and I think the Bible is so cool. I mean, unfortunately, we haven't learned a lot as a society that we're still in this place, that the Bible still applies so directly 2,000 years later. But I think it's so cool that Paul could write this and that we're still learning those lessons today. So out of the gate, Paul is saying the heart of what makes disagreement unhealthy or what makes unhealthy disagreement is when we make it personal. And again, this is a secondary matter of religion. If Paul will speak directly against certain things. So if there is something that is named a sin, Paul will say, don't let your brother or sister stay in that sin, right? So this is not making all truth relative. And I think that's really important. If that sounds like confusing or a, a tangential, that's fine. Just skip it. Um, but I just want to say that to say that I'm not saying figure it out for yourself. Whatever you feel is good is fine. Like there, there is sin listed in the Bible that we want to avoid. But on these minor issues, issues of living out our faith, that's where it's safe to disagree. Verse five, one person considers one day more sacred than another. So again, these, these Jewish holy days. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord. Praise God. For they give thanks, <laughs> thank you. For they give thanks to God, and whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. On these minor issues, go with your sincere convictions. This is actually something new to me. I kind of thought there was like one right way, and I just have to try to figure it out and then convince everyone else of it. Something that Steph Kossip, our, um, one of our community groups directors, uh, helped me sort out as I was putting this message together is that we have personal convictions that for you, you may feel very convicted about a certain issue that actually may not apply to someone else. And without realizing it, I've, I, there's two places that for me, this kind of pans out. One is with social media. I, social media is not a good place for me, whether it's disagreeing and getting annoyed with people when they post their opinions. Um, that's why I left Facebook like 10 years ago or something or if it's just the stuff that's on there, right? I'll go in there to send memes to my friends and then there's like half naked women running around. I'm like, this is not a safe place for me to be. But for some of you, that's, that's not a burden. That's not a place that you find as you're interacting with social media. And so you shouldn't feel convicted by my convictions. Between me and the Lord, that's not a great place for me to be. And so my friends have actually joked like, I'll try Snapchat and I'm like, nope. Still not safe, don't like it. I'll try Instagram, but that's definitely not it. Twitter, there's like not even pictures on Twitter. I'm like, I don't know, Elon took over and now it's crazy. I'm out of here. No, that's it's not because of Elon. I guess things are really bad over there, but I left Twitter before that. It sounds like things aren't going well. But that's a, that's a personal conviction for me that may or may not apply to you. Another example is alcohol. Um, Christians, there's a lot of disagreement about alcohol. Um, I tend to lean on like drunkenness, not I was at a birthday party last night that basically celebrated the existence of bourbon. Like we all had little sippers and it was great. And that's not something that I personally feel convicted against um, having not led toward drunkenness, if that makes sense. But for you, your mileage may vary, right? 
Um, so there's, there's personal convictions that may change. And what Paul is saying is don't even try to convince each other of those convictions being right or wrong. If it's between you and the Lord and you feel convicted of something, then go with that. You should remain convinced. Verse 7, for none of us lives for ourselves alone and none of us dies for ourselves alone. We live, if we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Paul likes to repeat himself a lot, which I, I appreciate. Um, for this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that, we might, that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. For the believer, our lives are for the Lord. Paul is pointing us again, and he'll do it more times here in Romans 14, that the point is the gospel. That if your life is on mission for Christ, uh, next week's message will be on basically living a kingdom life and what it looks like to live a missional life. And Paul is saying, if you're living for the Lord, these convictions, these are, these are minor issues. Keep running in that direction. Verse 10, you then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. I don't know about you, that shakes me to my core when I think about the ways that I fall short of the glory of God. I am so confident in the work of Christ that I'll get to stand there with a clean slate but that doesn't mean that I'm off the hook to give an account to God for the way that I live, the way that, um, you know, I operated while I was on this earth. And so Paul once again says, why are you judging your brother? Why are you treating them with contempt? Don't you remember that you'll someday stand before the Lord and have to give an account? While Jesus was on the earth, someone asked them, someone asked him, you know, teacher, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, win every argument you can on Facebook. We got to win these people back. We got to tell them the right way. No, he said, love the Lord. Well, he said, what do you think? And this guy said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, yeah, that's it. I want my metric of my Christian living to be, am I loving the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? And am I loving my neighbor as myself? And that doesn't leave a lot of room for me hating all of you when we disagree. So Paul is reminding us, this doesn't just matter so that you can live peaceably, which he talks a lot about in this book, um, but also you're going to have to account for the way that you treated one another, the way that you represented me to the other people. And that shakes me to my core, but I didn't want to skip over it today. Verse 13, therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person, it is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not, by your eating, destroy someone for whom Christ died. In verse 14, we see, we see that Paul does have an opinion on this. It's not that he's just apathetic to the issue, right? He says, I'm convinced that because of the Lord Jesus Christ, everything is unclean. Basically to say that, that these, these purity laws don't dictate whether or not I'm clean. What I eat, Jesus said that himself, that it's not what you eat and drink, but that what I eat isn't what makes me clean. But he's one of these strong faiths that has so much faith in Jesus that he's not worried about the purity laws. 
So he's willing to say, like, yes, I have an opinion on this, but don't miss the mark. And then he says, basically, put your brother's or sister's convictions above your own so that you can love them well. Like, I joke about my vegetarian friends, and I stinking love them. If I came to their house and they served a vegetarian meal, and I, like, pulled out chicken just because I felt like I needed it, that's a slap in the face. It's a, it's a funny concept, but if you put your, what isn't a conviction to you, in front of what is a conviction to someone else. If I have a friend who's struggling with alcoholism, like that's a major issue in their life. If I invite them over and I still need to have my glass of wine with dinner, how in the world am I representing the one who died for that person? Philippians 2 verses 3 and 4 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So once again, it's not about the argument, it's about who that argument is with or who that, that disagreement is with, so much more than the issue itself. Verse 16, Therefore do not let what you know is good to be spoken of as evil, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. So once again, he's saying it's about the kingdom of God. It's not about this issue. And what's more, if you are living peaceably with others, you'll also receive the approval of man. I think most often in the Bible, when we hear about the approval of man, we're thinking like, well, I don't need that. Only God can judge me. It's like, well, but it kind of matters how people see you, right? And how your message is perceived. If you are hated by the world, it's going to be really hard to tell them about Jesus. Um, my personal, I'm not kidding, my absolute favorite person that does this so well that, that remains a believer but can slice and dice with the best of them out in the world is Dolly Parton. If you don't know about Dolly Parton and the work that she does representing the Lord, yes, she did, she's, she's done some things that maybe aren't totally wholesome, but today the way that she operates and, and being willing to represent the love of God while also not being hateful, she is received by basically everyone. Um, I think she does a great job of this. Verse 19, let us therefore make every effort. Yeah, Dolly Parton's the only point I had on that one. It's just going to have to stick. I hope you leave with that. Uh, verse 19, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. We should do everything to live peaceably with one another and to mutual edification. Edification is this really neat word that just means building one another up. So if it's not building up your brother or sister, maybe you should keep it to yourself. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. In all of this, through every disagreement, our, our goal is, verse 19, to make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. Verse 22, so whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves, but whoever has doubts if con is condemned if they eat, because their eating is not from faith, and everything that does not come from faith is sin. I think Paul really hits us over the head with this. And this is, these are the kind of passages that I kind of have to teach from because I'm not smart enough to like make, tie it all together if it's not already obvious. Like I want to take something that Paul says 30 times and then just read it to all of you 30 times. And then hopefully I get out of the way somewhere along the line and we can leave um, better. But 
there's still an application side. So even if I, again, I'm new to this. I'm new to trying to disagree well. Even if I can believe this in my heart, it's still really hard to disagree well in the moment. And so I want to leave us with kind of some tools, so to speak, of how to do this well. And I'm to Pastor Bobby Jameson. Um, he's, he writes articles for the Gospel Coalition. Um, so we should have that. Yeah, I'm just citing it. I'm a scientist. We have to cite things. Um, if I just told you that I've only been trying to learn to disagree well for the last year and a half or so, and then I said, I have five ways to figure this out, you should question that. Um, so it's okay that I'm pulling this from an article from a man who has probably walked this longer. So how can we disagree well? Uh, one, remember that the person you're disagreeing with is infinitely more valuable than the issue at hand. I think we've hit on that a lot today. And if you only leave with one thing, let it be that. When you're at the Thanksgiving table and you strongly disagree with your parents or your aunt and uncle or your grandma and grandpa, some of us are heading into that, like Thanksgiving's this week. Love them so much more than you love telling them why your way of viewing things is right. Like you can still have loving disagreements. You can even be comfortable disagreeing, especially if they're saying something hateful or whatever, but love that person more than the issue at hand. Two, tame your tongue. Think about what you say, how you say it, and when you say it. James 1:19 through 20 has really become like a life verse for me. Be quick to listen. Terrible at that. I just want to tell you what I'm thinking. Be slow to speak. I'm so sharp. I, my tongue is so sharp. Be slow to anger. Again, not my strong suit at, when I'm at my worst. Uh, so be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So that's, that's how you say it. Um, what you say, Ephesians 4.29 says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up, that edification according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And then when you say it, the timing of our disagreements matters. Uh, something that Julie will ask me that cuts my arguments down so quickly or, or how fired I, up I am about something. If I'm going into a tough conversation, Julie will ask me, what do you need to say in this disagreement or in this tough conversation versus what do you want to say? We are so good at spinning up our arguments and being ready to show up for court that really you may not need to say half of that for the benefit of this relationship. Uh, number three, how, ask yourself, how critical is the issue? Is it a major, a minor? Is it just public policy? Is this something that our family values? Is this just something that the political party that I'm affiliated cares a lot about, but maybe personally, I, someone else has told me that I should care a lot about it. How critical is the issue? Uh, four, how sure am I of my position? This is a hard one for me. I love taking in the information that I want from the sources that I like and feeling very confident about what I believe. Um, at the start of the pandemic, like I said, I went to school for public health. And so my head is just enormous on this. And so I had come home and I'd be like, Julie, I can't believe they're not listening to me. I went to school for this. Like this is their, they don't know, they, they didn't even know what the word pandemic meant. And Julie's like, well, but you didn't study this, did you? It's like, oh. That hurts. I don't even really know what a virus is. But like to me, I'm like, the CDC, we didn't even know. I'm like, I'm like, these, these fools, they're, they're taking all the masks, Julie. Like 
They're taking all the masks. The, our healthcare workers need the mask. And then the next week, the city's like, hey, guys, you need the mask. Go get the masks. And I'm like, Julie, they need to go get the masks. So I'm, I'm just following. I don't know what I'm saying. Um, I hope that you can take that and think, how sure am I of my position? Do I actually know what I'm talking about? Have I just received this information secondhand? Um, on this issue, would reasonable Christians disagree? Is there room for disagreement? How many people that love Jesus are, stand on one side of an issue or the other? Number five, am I prizing the issue above the unity of the church? Would you believe that we might not all agree within Three Creeks Church? It's not just us against some church down the street. I have seen folks that I love leave Three Creeks Church because, for example, we allow women to teach. That's not universally accepted. Um, we are under a format of male eldership. That's contentious. What I love is when people are willing to stick around in their disagreement for the, unity, the sake of the unity of the church. There are a few things that fire me up more in a good way than getting to see behind the curtain of one of my friends who disagrees with something but says, I love Jesus and I love the mission of Three Creeks Church, and so we're going to hang out here because that's a minor issue to us, right? There are very important issues it's not that I don't care about male versus female eldership, or I don't care about women teaching or not teaching, or the role of the church in racial justice, or how the church can best and individual believers can best interact with the LGBTQ community. We don't call these things minors because they don't matter, but we call them minors because we can disagree and stay a unified church. And if you take that home, our whole church will be so blessed because of it. Lastly, number six, how can I disagree in such a way that we leave more unified and not less? It is not about winning the argument. It is about winning your brother or sister and resolving that, that disagreement. We're going to have some time. I'll invite the band up um, just to kind of reflect on this. Again, we are in a great point of unity within our church, but we're also heading into Thanksgiving where I know I don't always dis or I don't always agree with my family. I'm really thankful that we've all grown in this way where we're not at each other's throats about it. Um, but I want to take the things that the Lord has taught me, especially this week preparing for this message, into Thanksgiving so that if a disagreement comes up, I can reflect Jesus so much better than I can reflect whatever party I tend to agree with on that certain issue. So um, just take, take a moment to reflect on these. Is there currently an issue driving a wedge between you and some you love? How will you respond around the Thanksgiving Day table or the next week after that or the week after that? When I'm in a disagreement, am I quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger? How can I better prepare myself going into those contentious conversations? And what hills am I currently dying on that I could afford to lose in order to value my loved one um, or my friend more than my own opinion? So thank you so much for the chance to come hang out with all of you. Uh, we're going to go ahead and continue to worship. Thanks for listening to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. To find out more about our church, to give online, or to attend a service, visit threecreekschurch.com.